What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Oh, hey. Hey. So, um, this has been uh, interesting. Um, what with the article and the people and the photos. <laughs> Yeah, we had a really nice article written uh, about the podcast mm-hmm. on uh, by the Main Edge, which is a uh, a statewide uh, publication here in the great state of Maine. We actually got the cover, and they were kind enough to be nice about us and not <laughs> write down all the things that I said. That immediately after I went, "Ooh, um, ugh, that was awkward." Sorry about that. I was a little disappointed that they mentioned the um, the nineteen sixty nine Cadillac hearse that I bought as a restoration project because now everybody's going to want to ride in it. <laughs> I'm going to have it emblazoned on the side, the box of oddities, mm-hmm. just, you know, like silver metallic right. paint. Zero of that's true. So, um, <laughs> no, but it's, they did such a great job and they made us look like real coherent human people who no, spoke language. Like, like we were good talk people. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was just yeah. So uh, big thanks to uh, the Main Edge and Mike Dow uh, for for doing that and for the, us. That uh, was magical. That must have taken a lot of editing to make us sound coherent. You know, <laughs> and uh, uh, all the photographs inside uh, by Erica Layton of Closer North, who we just love. Um, who who's the first this week? Uh, it's me, and you know I have a love. For vending machines. Oh, obviously, yes. In fact, uh, Kat bought me an old Coke vending machine a number of years ago. It was really in bad shape. It was all beat up and the paint was coming off. You make it sound like I give great gifts. (laughs) I'm getting to the good part. I asked for that because I wanted to customize it, which I did. I turned it into a Heineken beer machine. It's very cool. We'll post a photo of it. And um, it was actually, it was a fun surprise uh, because uh, Jay had tootled away from the house for a couple of hours and I had it delivered during that time and he didn't know it was coming. So it was good fun. And I spent that next summer stripping the paint off of it and redoing it. And you did I, such a good job. Yeah, I, I got... Uh, the right logo decals and I had a special insert made so that when it lights up it says it has the Heineken it looks great and uh, now we're trying to sell it yeah you want to buy it <laughs> well we just can't get it in our RV right doesn't make sense we're, we're planning for the future but uh, yeah we'll post a photo of it but anyway because of my love for uh 
for vintage vending machines. This story stood out. It's a bizarre tale. It's a true tale, okay. of course. And it's about the Seattle mystery vending machine. Mystery vending machine? Yeah. In Seattle, which is in Washington, in the United States of America, for, for those of you who may be listening abroad. It's on the left. It's on the left in the upper part of the United States. Um, this vending machine, just out on the street. It's been there for a couple of decades. Oh. And it's an old vending machine. Okay. Nobody knows how it got there or exactly when it got there. One of the local businesses said that they know, and they've been there for decades. It's a locksmith business. They said it's been here for at least 25 years. Oh, wow. We don't know. You know, there's no servicing emblem on it. People have checked uh, with the city. There's no permit on file for it. Nobody knows where it came from. I have so many questions. Nobody knows who stocks it. it. Okay, that was one of my questions. It's a stocked vending machine? Yeah, yeah. And it is stocked with unusual cans of soda pop. It has six buttons on it. And normally it would say, you know, Coke or Pepsi or, or whatever. It's just, a, it says mystery on all six of the buttons. And you push one of the buttons and you just never know what you're going to get. Now, first of all, for decades, it has been 75 cents. Okay. Which is way below what it would normally cost in a in today's vending machines. Sure. Especially at an airport. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you, you spend what on average a dollar twenty five, a dollar fifty in the U.S. for a for a, a can of soda pop, something like that. Seventy five cents, and it's been that way for years and years and years. Okay. And even though the beverages are created by either Coke or Pepsi, they're very often brands of uh, soft drinks. That no longer exist anymore. What? Like Crystal Pepsi. Oh my goodness. Or New Coke. What? Yeah. Where is this coming from? They don't know. People have, st have, have staked out the area to try to catch people. And, and again, this is over a couple of decades. Recently, a few years ago, somebody did take a photo, allegedly, of somebody stalking the machine. Okay. But, but they're not sure if it's real. And that's one photo in two decades. Somebody Whoa. has been stalking this, this soda pop machine for 20 years with off-brand, well, Coke or, or Pepsi brand products, but, but lesser known ones or ones that have been discontinued. So every once in a while, you'll get a mellow yellow or a tab. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. And nobody knows why. They don't understand it. It's on the Capitol Hill neighborhood in uh, in Seattle. In fact, it is on the corner of uh, John Street and 10th Avenue East. Or it was. It mysteriously disappeared last summer <gasps> after 25 years. And nobody knows why. But did it, re like, did it reappear or did nope. it disappear forever? Nope, but... Of course, it has its own Facebook page. Of course, now. it does. And there have been photos. People keep posting photos of it all over the world, photoshopping it in, kind of like the traveling gnome kind of thing. Sure, you know, sure. Oh, here, here I am. Uh, I'm at the Eiffel Tower, and it's like badly photoshopped in, and right, you know. and the vending machines yep. holding its pinky and its index finger, yep. like so that it looks like it's squishing the Eiffel Tower. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, quick question. Yeah. Where is it now? Nobody seems to know. But I but people, I need it. People are very sad about this. Well, yeah. In the neighborhood, in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of, uh, of Seattle, because it has been such a big part of their lives. Well, in many cases, all their, their lives. Their whole life. 
And the fact that no one's been able to determine why it's there, when it was put there exactly, and who owns it. And, you know, they're not making money on this. 75 cents. And these cans of soda, in some cases, are rare. Like, what do you think a can of new Coke would go for on eBay? Not a lot of money, but it would it'd probably be seven, eight dollars, maybe. I just where some of them are incredibly rare. I just feel like especially if you're someone, you know, who has, you know, just a little over 25 years old and your whole life that machine had been there yeah. and had been dispensing magical mystery sodas to you. Mm-hmm. Because if you are one of those people who gets something that is kind of weird or rare and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you've never had a Crystal Pepsi, maybe you've never even heard of New Coke or Coke 2, or maybe you're like me and you have very special memories connected to certain sodas and all of a sudden you push that mystery button and a Mr. Pib pops out. Yeah. I think they still make Mr. Pib. I'm sure that they do, but I never see it. (laughs) They don't sell it anywhere near me. A lot of these brands. I remember the first time I had a Mr. Pib. Where was that? It was in Florida. Oh, at Disney World. You told me this story. That's right. It actually came up not long ago, which is weird. Um, We were, I was... Uh, you were at Disney during Hurricane Andrew. That's right. I was a small person, and uh, my family was at Disney, and we were staying at the Port Orleans uh, Disney Resort, and what they had a vending machine down the way, and one of the sodas that they had was called Mr. Pib, and I had never seen nor heard <laughs> of Mr. Pib before. Wow. So I gave her a roll. I was like, yes, thank you. Clink, clink, chunk, chunk. And it was the most delicious soda I'd ever put to my lips. And I was like, Dad! So you, you, you like it even better than Dr. Pepper, which was the original flavor? Because Mr. Pib is kind of a Dr. Pepper wannabe. Oh, I've made her angry now. Okay. All right. Listen. What I meant to say was that Mr. Pibb... Is an improved Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that's... Sure. No, I like them both equally, just in case Dr. Pepper wants to advertise with us. Sure, sure. Um, Mr. Pibb's better. It's... It's just one of those things that it was it was like I had discovered it. Yeah. It was no one sure. up here had ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. I was still, you know, in Maine in the 80s, everything was like the 70s everywhere else. Sure. Yeah. We were a little behind. About a decade behind. And so um I don't know, it was the early 90s when I went to Florida, so we were still catching up and sure, sure. I was like you guys Seriously, you'll never even believe this soda that I tried. It's called Master Pep. And I swear, it's the best. So this was the early 90s, but you were you sounded like an 80s Valley girl because you lived in Maine and were a decade behind the, the trends. That's right. Okay. I had my hair in a scrunchie and a big donut on the front of my head. Nice. It was permed. I remember I was into this weird soda pop in... Uh, Oh, the early 80s. They don't make it anymore. Called Rondo. And it was kind of like a lightly carbonated Mountain Dew. Oh, my gosh. That sounds horrible. It was actually pretty good. It reminds me. Rondo sounds like uh, the boyfriend of your friend who you just don't like. And he (laughs) never wears like shirts with sleeves. And you're like, oh, fucking Rondo's coming with us. I don't want to go anymore. How do I get out of this? So anyway, back to the mystery vending machine. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, The cans of of, uh, soda pop that are are dispensed are largely 
flavors that were that have not existed or have been popular since the 1980s. Other uh, brands are like Lemon Lime Slice, Pepsi AM. What's that? I don't know. Is that like breakfast Pepsi? It must be Pepsi with caffeine. That must or extra caffeine. That's the worst idea ever. But I can see how they're like, well, people are usually drinking soda later in the day. How can we get them to start their day with soda? <laughs> how, what, where, how do we corner this breakfast soda market? Aha. That's that was me in a boardroom just now. Yeah, I could picture Go that in, in my mind. Yeah. And uh, you were wearing like a three piece suit. Yeah. But you didn't have pants on. In like boots that went up to your thighs and, uh, and fishnet stockings. Wait a minute. And you had like a rider's crop and a pith helmet. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly this got very strange. Wow. Well, well, was that out loud? Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, some more obscure drinks have popped out. People have got, uh, let me see. I've never heard of this. Diet Hubba Bubba Bubblegum Soda. Oh, my God. Or bacon infused Coca-Cola. When did that happen? It has to have been recently. Bacon's been a real novelty thing the last, I would say, 10 years or so. Yeah, it's got to be like probably. It's weird. But it's not always the case. Sometimes it just kicks out a can of Coca-Cola or or a regular can of Pepsi. Oh, wow. But most of the time, it's these weird, less popular or discontinued brands. It's been going on for decades. It's so weird. What about Shasta? Sorry, that's just a, I, well, just I, a beverage that popped into my head that sh- I haven't yeah. heard of in a long time. Shasta's popular in uh, Mexico and South America. Oh, I suppose No, that's... no I, I think, it, no, Fanta. That's what I'm thinking of. Fanta is. What's the, uh, the, the clown people drink? The clown people drink? Yeah. You know, it's the, uh, like the, it, the clown people, they drink it like it's part of their thing. Wait a minute. Are you trying to cite the number one beverage choice amongst the professional clowning community? The preferred refreshing soft drink choice of merry pranksters? You know, the uh, clown band uh, and and their oh. Jesus juice. What's it called? Insane Clown Posse. Right. Yeah. They're, Juggalos. They're, yeah. Um, they're, they're beverage that they they love. That it's part of their their community. Fago. Fago. Yeah, that's right. Fago. You ever find a Fago in there? No, I'm sure probably at, at times Fago has. It would be, be amazing <laughs> those if, clown people. if you got a mystery beverage and a Fago popped out and then your nipple ring got ripped out. Oh, yeah. And everybody on the street starts chanting, family, family. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? It's a gathering of the Juggalos right here on Capitol Hill. Now, because this machine is just a lone machine standing on a street corner... It's not covered. It's not covered. It's just right out in the elements. It's it's all beat up. It's been vandalized. Sure. Um, it's chained to the wall. <gasps> Is it even plugged in? Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't? <laughs> I would love that. But no, it's plugged in, and it's plugged into a, a company called uh, Broadway Keysmiths. And so everybody immediately suspects that they are the ones behind it because mm-hmm. it's sucking the electricity off their bill. Right. But if that's the case, then they've gone way out of their way to uh, perpetuate this myth because for decades now, not only have the uh, owners of the store denied knowing anything about it, but all of the individual employees throughout the years, same story. We don't know. We just don't know. Wow. 
But they're cool with paying for the bill because uh, it's such a magical treat for well, the entire city. Yeah, it, they, it brings people to the neighborhood because it is now a destination point, or it was until it disappeared. So you can come and you can buy your Fago and get some keys made. Yeah, I need keys made because I went to the grocery store the other day and I lost part of my key set. And so now I can't open the mailbox. Let's go to Seattle. The machine has been broken into. Oh, no. Yeah, but mysteriously, it was repaired on site and restocked and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it happen. The only instance of anybody reporting having seen the machine be restocked was Was this one time time where they claim a white van pulled up. Then a couple got out, a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. and restocked the machine quickly, locked it back up, jumped in the van and left. And there is a picture out there that reportedly is of that event, but that's it. People just woke up one day and it wasn't there anymore. Well, um, I found an article on a site called Today I Found Out, and I guess they were in the area. And so they went to uh, the site. You know, it's a pilgrimage now. Sure. It's a destination site. Is there like something there that, that says like this is where the machine used to be? Well, they got there and the machine was still there and there was a line of people but the machine wasn't working. It was taking money, but it was not dispensing any any oh, soda no. pop. So they said, well, we'll come back. They came back the next day. It was gone. And it has been gone since July, late June, early July of 2018. And as of the recording of this, nobody knows where it is. But in the site that it stood for over two decades, there was a sticker stuck to a railing. And it said, gone for a walk. That's it. Nobody knows where it is. But nobody knows who's behind it. Nobody knows why. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling I have so many feelings right now. What if like this sweet old man had this idea of like wouldn't this be fun? Yeah. And uh maybe, you know, he used to work for a uh beverage distribution right. company and, and so he had these old cans and he was like what do we do with this uh, let's give them to the kids look, yeah yeah i got this old machine yeah. we'll just plug her in yeah hey. uh, yeah and, and he then had, he died yeah he died oh <laughs> i'm so sad and then his widow had to go and get the machine yeah. she discovered his lifeless corpse in the garage in a pile of diet hubba bubba bubblegum soda cans and she's all like i'm gonna take this machine but i'm gonna leave this Sticker here because he's just gone for a walk. And see, yeah, he'll be back. He's just gone for a walk. On the Facebook page, there is a message. And, and the administrator of the Facebook page won't return any messages from the media. So they don't know if it was started by the people behind this. Or, or just people or who just are fans of people it. People are fans. But uh, the administrator, I think somebody in charge of it, had posted, uh, going for a walk, need to find myself, maybe take a shower even. That sounds to me like he's going to get cleaned up yep. and return. Yep. That's that's what a lot of people have been hoping. But we're going on nine, six, seven, eight, nine months now since it's disappeared. Well, Nobody knows. It took you a while to, to revamp your vending machine. I suppose. Well, it was like true. four months. Yes. But I didn't work on it constantly. Well, who's to say old man Jones is? <laughs> oh, speaking name? of which, Jones Soda. Right? They make the best cream soda. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Old Man Jones is the name you've assigned this <laughs> mythical retired beverage distribution company work person. Well, he doesn't work on it all the time because in the um, winters, he has to go to Florida yeah. and see the grandkids. Sure. 
So, you know, maybe in the spring he'll get back to working on it. But if old man Jones is so committed to this, don't you think that maybe he would have passed this on to his son and his son's son? And so that's how it keeps it kept going for decades. Listen, old man Jones wasn't able to have children. That's why he gave soda to the neighborhood kids. Oh, now it all he makes wanted sense. to share his joy with the chillins, uh-huh. but um, wasn't able to to shoot one out of his lady's stomach. Well, so let's just profile old man Jones. Old man Jones, retired night watchman for a large major beverage distribution company, had a bunch of off brand sodas in his garage and an mm-hmm. old machine, yeah. decided to set this up for the kids because he shoots blanks. Yeah. He was sterile. Yeah. He was a sterile beverage distribution watchman who recently retired and died in his garage in a pile of cans. No, I've revamped it. He's not dead. Oh, um, it okay. just broke down and he went to Boca. And he's not back to fix it yet. Right. Why would he go to Boca in the summer? No, no, it's winter. Yeah, but it disappeared in the summer. Right, but he started working on it. He just didn't have time to get it done. Do you think that Brenda was going to wait for him to finish that before they went to Boca? <laughs> okay, Her, his wife's name is Brenda? Yeah. Okay. She's got to get to that outlet mall. I see. I understand. She's going to get some Banana Republic Capris. And a snappy sundress from Ann Klein. I understand now. It all makes sense. Well, yeah. So even the guys at Broadway Locksmith and the random employees over the decades claim to have no idea who restocks the machine. They've never seen anyone open it up um, or put anything inside or collect any money for that matter. Mom. And these guys are there every day. So whoever this is that was doing it, they were stealthy. I would really love to know what their motivation was. I feel I've, I'm feeling a real Santa vibe about this story. Yeah. I think you're you're probably pretty close to nailing it with your old man Jones hypothesis. Old man Jones and Brenda. Maybe also a little Santa stuff. A little Santa as well. All right. You can find the Facebook page, Seattle Mystery Machine. I just Googled it. 25,079 people like it. <laughs> of course they do. Some of the reviews. Definitely recommend its beverages. Always cold and a good shoulder to cry on. <laughs> Hell yeah, I would recommend this great machine. The Seattle population loves the mystery vending machine, and they miss it. My one experience with MCM, which mm-hmm. is what they call it, sure. resulted in a very cold Sprite on a very hot day. Thank you for saving the day. If you return from your hiatus, it would be nice to add condoms to your dispensary. <laughs> that started off nice. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of the Seattle freaks have their own stories that they can share with us. At curator at the box of oddities.com. Oh my gosh, tell me all of your mystery machine stories. All of them. This pleases me <laughs> to no end. Why are you broken? I came all the way from San Diego for you. Why are you broken? <laughs> That's quite a pilgrimage. San Diego to Seattle for a can of Mr. Pibb. My friend told me to say it out loud what I want. And if I'm worthy, it will dispense that soda. I requested a Hawaiian punch, and then that's what I received. No kidding. All hail the mystery soda machine. (laughs) There are those who think that there is some sort of uh, paranormal activity at play here. Personally, I think uh, time travel. There might be some kind of a tear in the uh, time-space continuum. And that machine is really there, always has been, but it's just 1972 that's that's just poking its head through into our reality in that one spot it's on It's like Capitol a weak Hill. spot? Yeah. 
and we can interact with the machine because the membrane is uh, is so thin uh-huh. between those. Oh, like on fringe. Line. Yeah, kind of like on fringe. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, In fact, I think if you stayed there long enough, you might see Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Cool story, Astrid. All right. That's it. I love it. And now, the Box of Oddities brings you That Thing in the Middle. Today's Thing in the Middle comes from Strange History, a bathroom reader. Again. So in 1870, the James Robinson and Company Circus and Animal Show wanted to drum up some publicity for its touring cavalcade prior to the performance in Middletown, Missouri. As the clowns, circus performers, and the animals paraded through the town, the circus band played along while standing on the roof of a cage that held two lions. Despite concerns that the roof wasn't strong enough to support 10 grown men, circus bosses ordered the band to keep on playing. So they did, right up until the moment the roof caved in. All 10 musicians plunged into the den of underfed lions who tore them limb from limb and ate most of their bodies. 10 band members started the parade Only three survived. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. We love the Calm app and we are so thrilled to have Calm as a member of our family of sponsors here on the Box of Oddities. Calm, C-A-L-M dot com is the number one app to help you sleep meditate and relax one of the things that we do at the beginning of a new year is resolutions and so often those are for our body we want to eat better we want to lose weight we want to maybe start learning new things we do we have so many goals but how often do you do something that's good for your state of mind and that's where i've really found the calm app to be incredibly helpful Um, i've set up reminders where basically the calm app says Hey, have you taken time today to like chill the frig out? Now, there's a misconception that uh, you need to be experienced in meditation. Right, like you have to be a yoga master or something. No, look, calm makes it easy for you to just relax. And, And meditation can be part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Even if you don't meditate, calm is a great app to have, especially if you have trouble going to sleep. I just read an article that said that the average person, it takes them seven minutes to fall asleep. In my case, it's more like two hours before I got the Calm app. Right. And one of the things that we found to be so helpful are the sleep stories. They're like bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax before you doze off. So you can head to the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Or the paths of Machu Picchu which is one of my favorite sleep stories. And Bob Ross is in there too. Oh, with his happy little trees. <laughs> and if you head to calm.com slash box, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Guided meditations on issues like anxiety and stress and focus. There's a brand new meditation every day called the Daily Calm. And of course, our beloved sleep stories. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash box. It's just for Box of Oddities listeners. 25% off Calm premium subscription at calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash box. C-A-L-M dot com slash box. 
For a limited time, Box of Oddities listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash box. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash box. Give yourself the gift of calm. And a happy and healthy 2019. Oh my gosh, I almost said 2018. What is wrong with me? You better start meditating more. The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's Tip Jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya. That's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And don't forget to follow the Box of Oddities once you're there. It looked so much bigger in the full-color brochure. This is the Box of Oddities. All right, what you got for me? Okay. Your story was wonderful and magical and fun. And I'm 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 really I'm a little I'm I don't know, I'm a little giddy about it. I love it. And uh, I'm gonna bring this party way down. To a screeching halt. Yeah. Okay. On November twenty second, nineteen eighty three, the body of Linda Mann was found. Not far from her home. Linda had left her house the night before to go babysit for the lady down the road, and she didn't make it there. Uh, When she didn't return, her parents and her neighbors spent the night searching for her, and her body was found uh, the next day on a path called Black Pad. She had been raped and strangled. How old was she? Fifteen. July 31st, 1986... Dawn Ashworth did not return home, and after two days, her 15-year-old body was found in a path called Ten Pound Lane. She had also been raped, beaten, and strangled. The pathologist who examined her body described it as a brutal sexual assault. So where 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 is this taking place? It's in England in a place called Leicestershire. Okay, okay, I've heard of that. And it's spelled in such a way that I had to look it up how to how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, because I can see it in my head. There's lots of letters in there that don't make yeah, sense. Yeah, so many vowels, so many vowels. So the modus operandi was pretty much the same, and police were convinced that the murders were committed by the same person. So this is very early in the days of forensics, uh, as far as DNA goes. Sure. Um, A lot of uh, police organizations had decided this is something that's going to catch on. This is something that's going to end up working for us. So even though there hadn't been um, anything that they had been able to use, a lot of uh, organizations were collecting stuff that they uh, thought could be used. I love that idea with the idea in mind that science yeah. and technology would progress to the point where they could use it in the future. I love that. And the the care that goes into taking care of a specimen that you don't even know if it's going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen several forensics files where, you know, they end up going back to the case and they have this evidence and yeah. it's amazing. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so... Speaking to Linda's case, the first girl, um, they used forensic science technologies that were available at that time, and police linked a semen sample taken from her body to a person with type A blood, and uh, they could tell that that enzyme profile matched only about 10% of males, but with no other leads or 
evidence, they they left the case open but weren't able to move any further. When they took samples from the second crime scene, semen samples revealed the same blood type. Okay, so that's narrowing it down a little bit. That's right. Police did have a suspect, Richard Buckland. He was a 17-year-old boy with learning disabilities, and he had been spending a lot of time around the spot where Don had been murdered and telling people and the police that they were looking for the suspect in the wrong spot. That's not too suspicious. Right. He worked in a local psychiatric hospital and he wasn't working that night, but he wasn't able to give police a definite answer on what he was doing the night that Don went missing. And so police arrested him. After questioning, he admitted to the crime involving Don Ashworth, but denied the murder of Linda Mann. Hmm. In 1985, and this comes from uh, BBC News. In 1985, Alec Jeffries, a genetic researcher at the University of Leicester, first developed DNA profiling along with Peter Gill and Dave Warrett of the Forensic Science Service. And Gill commented... I was responsible for developing all of the DNA extraction techniques and demonstrating that it was possible, after all, to obtain DNA profiles from old stains. Wow. The biggest achievement was developing the preferential extraction method to separate sperm from vaginal cells. Without this method, it would have been very difficult mm-hmm. to use DNA in rape cases. Wow. Because obviously, you sure. know, there's yeah, intermingling. There's mingling going on. Using that technique, Jeffries compared semen samples from both murder victims against a blood sample from Buckland and conclusively proved that both girls were killed by the same man, not Buckland. What? Buckland became the first person to have his innocence established by DNA fingerprinting. No kidding. So he just copped to this for attention or he had he had learning disabilities. Yeah, there yeah, were okay. there were some things going on there okay. and okay. maybe he yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe he was scared and you know. I don't know. I I don't have an answer to that. Um what I do know is that in that article uh that um that was in the BBC News, Peter Gill stated that uh, he believes that without a doubt, if it weren't for that DNA testing, mm. he would have been charged and with Don's murder. Wow. So Leicestershire Constabulary, which is incredibly hard to say. But delightful to hear. And the FSS... And the FSS then undertook an investigation which took more than 5,500 local men that were asked to volunteer blood or saliva samples. How many? 5,500. 5,500. This was the largest sweep that they'd ever done. They were... um, And this was what year? It's either 86 or 87. Okay, so it's after... Don's murder, which was in Obviously, 86. Yeah. But in 87, August 1st of 87, a man named Ian Kelly uh, revealed to fellow workers at a Leicester pub that he had taken the blood test pretending to be someone else. So uh, we know that the the process of getting all these samples was, was between uh, late 86 and okay. early okay. 87. All right. So Ian Kelly worked at a bakery and he had taken the blood test while masquerading as Colin Pitchfork. Colin Pitchfork. 
Uh, Colin Pitchfork had come to Kelly and said that he couldn't give his blood under his own name because he had already given blood while pretending to be his friend who had wanted to avoid being harassed by police because of a conviction for burglary. Mm-hmm. A woman overheard this conversation where Ian Kelly saying, yeah, I took the blood test for someone else. And she was like, uh, uh, that's a little hinky. How about no? Mm. And went to the police. Thank you. That woman. Her name isn't listed. I don't know who she is, but that woman needs an award. That it's less. Leicestershire pub going woman. I love you. Mm. This is what we need in the world we is do. more people going. That shit ain't right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So Colin Pitchfork lived in Newbold, Verdon. He attended school in Market Bosworth and Desford. Uh, Pitchfork had been previously convicted of indecent exposure and had been referred for therapy at Carlton Hayes Hospital. He was married in 1981 to a social worker. After that, he lived in Littlethorpe and the Pitchforks had two sons. I just can't get over the fact that his name was Colin Pitchfork. I know. I know. It's pretty incredible. So after police have, after the attention has been called uh, to Colin Pitchfork, he was arrested in 1987 in September. Um, And during subsequent questioning, he admitted to exposing himself to more than a thousand women, (gasps) which he said was uh, something that he had done since his teens. He just couldn't help himself. You, just, wow. you can't not whip out your junk. Um, he later uh, admitted to having progressed to sexual assault and then uh, eventually to protect his identity, killing the girls that he had sexually assaulted. Oh, my God. It came out during this investigation that in November of 1983, he was driving with his baby son sleeping in the back of his car when he spotted 15-year-old Linda Mann walking uh, along this darkened path, pulled over, left his baby in the car while he raped and strangled this little girl with her own scarf. He then drove home and put his son to bed. Oh my God. It's rough. And that was one of the reasons that it was hard for police to understand how he could have committed this crime in the first place, because he had his kid that night. Right. right. And uh, in one of the articles that I read, uh, it said that he was babysitting, which, um, no, it's not babysitting if it's your kid. Yeah, I don't get that. Uh. I don't understand that at all. Anyway, that's off topic, but. He ended up pleading guilty to both murders in September 1987 and was sentenced to life in January 88. The judge said that the killings were, quote, particularly sadistic, and he doubted that Pitchfork would ever be released. Mm. In 2009, his 30-year life sentence was reduced by two years for exceptional progress, a decision that obviously was strongly criticized by the victims' families and yeah. by other people, you know, who live places who are like gross. So it's May 3rd of last year and Pitchfork was denied parole, but they said that he would be eligible for a further review within two years. And then last summer, the Ministry of Justice told the girls' families that Pitchfork had been allowed to leave their custody under the close supervision of prison 
service personnel. So he's getting to do these like day outings furloughs where he can leave for the day occasionally overnight and then come back to jail maybe sometimes. And it's Hmm. what's called an open jail um, for a guy that was sentenced to life in prison. It seems kind of lax to me. Yeah. On, uh, let's see, in April of 2009, so we're going back a bit, there was a sculpture that Pitchfork had created in prison, and that was uh, displayed at the Royal Festival Hall, and the artwork was called Bringing the Music to Life, which was, uh, anyway, it was like a sculpture, and this goes into detail of what it looks like, but who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> and uh, when this all was going down, there was a lot of outrage in the community because victim advocate groups were were saying that the you know his art being on display was disrespectful like we sure, shouldn't yeah. laud the art of a man who yeah so he made the art while in prison and the words uh, on a caption said, without this opportunity to show our art, many of us would have no incentive. We would stay locked in ourselves as much as the walls that hold us. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I would agree with anyway, you. Anyway, so now he gets to, be... to tootle about town. <laughs> no, tootling about. Just tootling about. Mm-hmm. There was a report last year that he was in Leicestershire uh-huh. and that he had introduced himself to a woman there who said that he was like super creepy. Um, later, that report was debunked and they said he's not he's you know there are specific rules um he is never allowed in that city again Mm. um but nearby he can be tootling and there's nothing that it's just i do not approve there are some i don't know my opinion here there are some things that are not forgivable the rape and murder of children that would be that would be one of them i would say yeah certainly i absolutely approve of that um so he that is the story of uh colin pitchfork the first person convicted of murder based on dna fingerprinting evidence wow who now gets to tootle about town you done with that crystal pepsi I cannot think of Crystal Pepsi without thinking of that uh, SNL sketch. I think it was from the early 90s where they were advertising the the water coming straight from the Hudson River. And it was like thick and had stuff. Yeah, cigarette butts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pieces of metal. Anyway, that's what Crystal Pepsi makes me think of. Really? So this this story, I really, you know, it's interesting because of the the DNA testing and the 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 amazing links that we have. I mean, the we've come so far. Yeah. Um, but uh, since he gets to tootle about, look at how far we still have to go. Yeah, indeed. But Crystal Pepsi. Right. That's better. That's less shitty. <laughs> Maybe Crystal Pepsi would have done better if they'd used that as the advertising slogan. Less shitty than the premature release of a rapist and murderer. Yeah. 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 That would be good on a poster. So we're the Box of Oddities. We have been for a while now. Not quite a year, but we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. I'm so excited. I think we should do something fun. <gasps> well, we're going to be in... We're going to be in Orlando. We're going to be in Orlando. We've, we've been asked to speak oh, at yeah. uh, 
at the podcast 2019 uh, convention. Yeah. In Orlando. We're going to be on a panel or something that something. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, and I'm no going to be idea. taking some pills yeah, we're, to deal with. So we're, we're, we're flying to Nashville for the live show. It's going to be amazing. Which, by the way, there are still tickets available. Theboxofoddities.com. And then we're tootling over to Pigeon Forge for yeah. a couple days to go to some museums, etc., etc. And then we're flying to Orlando for the uh, PodFest convention. And then we'll be flying back to Maine after that. So but it's going to be a busy We're also going to go to Epcot. We're going to go to Epcot. Yes, we are. I've never been to that that World Lake place. World Showcase. Yeah, I've never yeah. been there. No, it's one of I'm going to eat a pretzel and drink a beer. There you go. I'm very much looking forward to it. The Box of Oddities drops on your phone a couple days a week. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so... Let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts